young people. Let's hear for our worship leader. So, Lord, in adoration, I kneel before thy throne. In brokenness, I seek thy face alone. None other can heal my, heal my soul. Come in, Lord, and make me whole. Holy Spirit, indwell, unshackle, and free. Ask, Lord, now that you breathe on me. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we've, this, this, this time of, um, of reflection on social justice in celebration of the king's uh, birthday, um, I want to I wanna piggyback off of a Langston Hughes poem um, and uh, use the title, Make America Again. Uh, we read the text. Um, it's a long text. Um, I'm just going to read one portion of it. Um, verse 40. We know the whole story. We've heard this text before. The king replied, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did to me. The story goes that um, there were six blind men who came upon an elephant and each tried to explain the elephant. So the first blind man stepped up and um, he slipped and bumped up on the elephant. And he described the elephant. He said that the elephant must be very much like a wall. Second blind man came up and he reached down and he touched the, the tusk of the elephant and the tusk was round and smooth and sharp. So the man said that the elephant is very much like a spear. Third blind man came up and grabbed hold of the elephant's trunk. And he slid his hand up and down the trunk of the elephant and concluded that the elephant is very much like a snake. Fourth blind man reached out and came across the knee of the elephant and the knee was thick and round and rough. And he said, to me, it's quite clear that the elephant is very much like a tree. Fifth man came up and reached out and touched the elephant's ear and said, even a blind man can see that the elephant is very much like a fan. Sixth man walked up and reached out and grabbed the tail of the elephant. And he said that there is no mystery here. The elephant is very much like a rope. Justice is like the elephant in the room. Some see it as a divisive stance by a people who should be happy or they go back to Africa. To some, justice is making sure that people who do wrong find themselves in jail or a prison cell where they rightly belong. 
To others, justice is true and equal playing field. Or rather, society where every person is valued and seen as a person, not hunted down and killed like wild animals. For some, justice is charging those who shoot to kill without the regard of the pain they inflict on families and people of this nation. If there is one passage in the scriptures that speaks so insightfully and relevantly to what justice looks like, it's this passage in the Bible. At the heart of Jesus' words is a call to living in a just society. Like so many who have come calling this nation and this world into focus on justice, Jesus was and is concerned with how we treat the least of these. He was divinely concerned with social justice, an honest and fair distribution of wealth, taxation, public health, schools, public service, labor, and equal opportunity. Jesus' main reasoning is challenging what is wrong in the world. What threatens Christianity's very existence is how much, Christ, how much church um, looks like the world today, making it difficult for others to tell the difference between Jesus and the world. If God can reconcile us to himself and not to each other, then our God is is. is, is is, is, well, the faith that we, that we claim that we have is um, a hustle at best and a con at worst. We can't just sit down and shut up when God demands justice. If, if we are to be faithful to Christ, we must work to make things fairer in our world. God doesn't care about our charity uh, if we are the people for which charity is needed. God doesn't care about our lifting our voices and raising our hands in praise if we turn around and use those same mouths and those same hands to curse and to put down. Paul said if one part suffers, then we all suffer. Martin King said whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. We sing, we, 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 we sing a whole lot about how God is for me, but we, we used to sing walk together children. We have allowed politics and power to create wedges between the evangelism of, of white folk and the Christian progressiveness of black folk. Justice is not just an indictment of society, but a critique of the faith that we claim that we have. We can't just walk into church, not speaking to each other, then walk and then come up to the altar and, and pray to a God that wants us to be together. We, we can't come in here and, and, and not show kindness to one another, then turn around and claim to, that, that God loves me. How can you love a God that you don't see but don't love your neighbor who you see every day? And just as contradictory is our claims of the Christian faith, have we pledged our loyalty and our allegiance to a country and a flag, or have we committed ourselves to a Christ? America, like our claims of Christianity, is a continual contradiction in, in, in its claims and its works. Is justice really for all? Or is that just words that are said but not done? Each year and each day, 
America's contradictions comes to light right before our eyes. We've seen it in these past few years, a humanity crisis after humanity crisis manufactured by political malfeasance, uh, the jails and, and how they detain children simply because their parents are fleeing from another country. But this is America, y'all. The land that I love, stand beside her and guide her through the night and the light from above. This is America's children sleeping on floors in privatized detention centers contracted by the U.S. government. This is America where immigration detention centers have a special policy of no lower than 75% occupancy because if they go below 75% occupancy, the American government must pay a higher premium for beds that are empty. The reason that this is happening is because privatized prisons work out a policy with the Republican Republican administration to ensure that you will receive more money in your pockets because in America there is they, they just care about how children are housed. This is America. We've witnessed the Supreme Court upholding a ban on Muslim and Arab speaking countries, which means in America it's a it's it's it's, it's a ban on just certain people based on their religion, their language, and their land. This is America. A contradiction of pain and possibility mixed with freedom and bondage. America, for whom W.B. Du Bois said, uh, should not be called the land of the free and the brave, but the land of the thief and the home of the slave. But this is America. Comfortable with her contradictions, hypocrisies, and immoralities, claiming to be a place of liberty, yet closing the doors on certain immigrants. And there is no outrage among those in this country because we become comfortable with the demoralizing acts that put upon people. This is America. Proficient in separating families as they were separating just policies from creeds and claims that they claim to live by. But I'm mindful that this is not the first time families have been separated in America. This ain't the first time children have been ripped from their mother's arms. This ain't the first time that fathers have been placed in one side of the country and mothers on the other side of the country. America was built on this. Don't you know that's how we got here in the first place? Somebody was ripped from their own mother's arms. This is America. Even after the transatlantic slave trade was closed down in 1807, in 1808, America started what is known as domestic slave trade. That means that people uh, were moved from New York and Maine and Providence, Rhode Island, down to places like Louisiana and Mississippi and Alabama. 50% of black people who live in this country after 1808 were ripped apart and they never connected again with their children and, and their mothers and their sisters and their brothers. This is America, y'all. But don't you think it's just black folk anymore? You ever heard of the Trail of Tears in 1830 when they took Native American groups known as the Choctaw, the Seminole, and the, and the, and the Chickasaw and moved them into Mississippi all the way from Oklahoma, stripping babies from their mothers in Alabama? 
And when they found gold in Georgia, an American government removed the Cherokee, but not to forget this, the coalition between the people of African descent and those in Native Americans, because every person that is colored experiences in America. And they have a nerve to place them on reservations. Now how are you going to move a native population into a smaller square foot when they were the ones who were here in the first place? You have the nerve to tell somebody to go back to where they came from. Is that revisionist history or are you just plain old stupid? But this is America. Not just those Native Americans or, or, or those African descents, but in 1944, don't you know that they interned Japanese in concentration camps? Even though we were not fighting the Japanese, we were fighting the Germans, and not a single German America was placed in a concentration camp. Because in America, justice is for the least of these, and it is denied and trivialized. That's why that great poet laureate Langston Hughes wrote, let America be America again. America was never America to me. There has never been an equality for me, nor freedom in this homeland of free. I am poor, white, fooled, and, 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 and pushed apart. I am the poor, white, fooled, and pushed apart. I am the Negro bearing slaves' guards. I am the red man driven from the land. I am the immigrant clutching the hope I seek. And finally, only the same stupid plan of dog-eat-dog of mighty crushed the wheat. Oh, let America be America again. The land that has never been yet and yet must be the land where every man is free. The land that's mine, the poor man's, Indians, Negroes, me. America has never been America to me. America and our Christian claims must be judged by a moral compass that bends towards justice because justice delayed is justice denied. And Jesus here speaks of an eschatological moment when God shall gather all nations, not some nations, but all nations. One group will be like sheep on the right. Another group will be like goats on the left. Nations of political organizations will have moral precepts in which they will function and, and, and have a social critique for them. All nations must be gathered. And it makes no mention of a democratic nation, a republican nation, an authoritarian nation, an aristocratic nation, or an oligarchy. It says all nations will come under the social contract of God's authority. 
There's no mention, y'all, of tradition or, or religion. It does not say all Jews or all Christians or all Muslims. It says everybody who is made in the image of God are subject to the same moral compass based on how we see one another and treat one another and how fair we are to one another. Because what you do for the least of these, you do it unto the Lord. What you do to the poor, what you do to the prisoner, what you do to the immigrant, what you do to the widow, the orphan, the homeless, the addict, the, the trafficked, the mentally ill, the infirm, the elderly, the babies who are snatched from their mother's arms, you do it unto me. What you do to the broken and the marginalized, you do it unto the Lord. America's greatness cannot be measured by how many bombs and grenades and walls we build. But in how the fairness of how we treat the least of these. America's greatness cannot be measured by how many millionaires we have. Or how many stocks go high and low. Or how many lies can be told in a single day. How much hypocrisy we can allow. Jesus' words echo aloud through the through the corridors of history, the church and America, all shall be punished. Not based on accepting Jesus as your personal savior, but how do you live with justice? Anybody can call the name of Jesus. But can you live the way that Jesus calls you to live? Anybody can shout hallelujah on Sunday, but they can turn around and cuss somebody else on Monday. So the question is, y'all, um, if you want to see Jesus, how are you going to deal with the least of these? You see, you see Jesus in a homeless shelter. The least of these. You, you see them down at the border where, where, where the walls are being built. You, you see them in the eyes of children who are crying because they have too little food. You see them behind prison walls where industrial prison complex works overtime to distribute uneven sentencing and unfair practices. This is America, y'all, where it's easier to get a gun than it is to get a good education or a college scholarship. I can get a gun that's as quick and long side as I could in West Philadelphia. You, you, you might can't get a scholarship to go to Penn State, but you definitely can get a scholarship to go to the state pen. They'll give you room and board, but they'll take away your citizenship rights and label you for the rest of your life. Something is wrong. We're willing to incarcerate quicker than educate. Something is wrong when we're willing to invest in bombs, grenades, and satellite nukes, but, but, but not invest in children. Something is wrong when we're willing to give billionaires tax breaks and, 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 and not willing to provide the least health care to, to citizens. But I'm here to let you know that God is still doing a good work. But I know there are some who don't believe me because 
you have the wrong idea of how God is working in today's time. People say to me all the time, Reverend, when I come to church, I want to come to a packed house. I want to make sure that there's no room in the pews. But I'm here to raise a question. Do we want a packed church? Or do we want a church that's making an impact? I'd rather be in an impacting church than in a packed church because an impacting church changes the world. And despite all of the rhetoric and all the actions of people who claim to be Christian in this day and time, Jesus here gives us a divine prophetic insight into the true definition of what it means to be a Christian. Being a Christian means we must love justice. It means we must feed the hungry. It means we must clothe the naked. It means we must embrace the stranger. It means we must care for the sick. Being a Christian is not measured by you coming to church on Sunday, but what are you doing when you leave this church today? means you got to talk to folk who ain't take a bath in a week. You got to deal with folk who got alcohol on their breath. You got to deal with folk who got tracks up and down their arms. You got to talk to people who drunk and can't even stand up. Because the least of these sometimes don't act like us, love like us, look like us, or sound like us. You got to deal with them with tats all over their necks and on their legs and all up and down their back. Somebody asked the question, Reverend? Is there any hope? Huh? God hasn't stopped sending people to do the work. He sent Noah to save the world. He, he sent Abraham to bless the world. He sent Jacob to, to create a promise. People, he sent a liberator named Moses, a revolutionary named Deborah, and a builder named David. And when God wanted to further the movement of the church, he sent to Paul, who was mistaken for an African. When God wanted to create a Trinitarian hermeneutic, he sent a black man named Tertullian. When he wanted to create a new doctrine, he sent an origin. When he wanted to rewrite theology, he sent Augustine. When he wanted to liberate people out of slavery, he sent Harriet. When he wanted to raise someone to speak to President Lincoln, he sent Frederick Douglass. When he wanted to find someone to protest the white church, he sent to Richard Allen. When he wanted to, you to know about the Holy Ghost, he sent to William B. Seymour. And when he wanted someone to fight against lynching, he sent an Ida B. Wells. When, when he wanted to, us to know the souls of black folk, he sent a W.B. DeBras. When he wanted to bring black people together, he sent the Marcus Garvey. When he wanted us to, to organize in Mississippi, he sent the Mega Evers. In other words, America, God has not given up on us. Uh, he keeps sending people. He keeps sending prophets. He keeps sending people. He sent you and he sent me. Don't stop, y'all. Because if Martin King was right, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Don't stop because the prophet Amos was right. Let justice roll down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. Don't stop because the civil rights song was right. Ain't gonna let nobody turn me around. I'm gonna keep on walking, keep on talking, marching into freedom land. 
Don't stop because to hold him is right. We are soldiers in the army. We have to fight. We have to fight. We got to cry. We got to hold up the bloodstained banner. We've got to hold it up until we die. Oh yes, I say it plain. America never was America to me. And yet I swear there's oath. America will be out of the rack and the ruin of our gangster death, the rape and rot of graft and stealth and lies. We the people must redeem the land, the mines, the plants, the rivers, the mountains, and the endless plain. All, all the stretch of these great green states and make America again. God bless you, saints of God. Make America again. Make America. So Lord, we want to thank you. We've come this far by faith. Leaning on you. Lord, we don't want to be hypocritical with our faith. You've told us and challenged us on what it means to be a just society and a just people. Lord, we don't want to be confused with the world. You've called us to be in community with one another. How dare we, Lord, be consumed with politic and power in this world system. How dare we want to do what they do? How dare we detain and house and jail simply because somebody is different from us. Lord, convict us. We want to be more like you. Lord, we, we ask that you look at every Christian, search each one's heart. And Lord, let us be mindful of what we've called to do. We have to be more Christian than countrymen. Guide us, Lord, that we not lose our minds and our faith in divisiveness. Let justice roll down and let righteousness come forth. In Jesus' name, amen. While you're still standing, would you stand? We open up the doors of this church to you. There's one, two, perhaps three. Man, woman, boy, or girl. Who wants to give their life over to Jesus Christ. Perhaps, perhaps you're already saved. And perhaps you already know the Lord Jesus Christ. But you want to come 
rededicate your life or become a part of this fellowship, we welcome you here. The deacons will walk down the aisles, and all you have to do really is just grab their hand. This is not something to play with. This ain't magic. We don't do hocus pocus, says me. We don't do that kind of stuff here. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he changes lives. It might seem like magic, but it's the Lord's doing. The doors of this church are open. Won't you come? Won't you come? You don't have to be ashamed or afraid or whatever the case may be. Someone standing next to you, they may want to come up with you. So you don't ever have to be alone. The doors are open to you. Especially the young people. In a day and a time when there's so much confusion. So much skepticism about Christianity. Your friends look at you in strange ways. Because you went to church. And they want to they criticize and examine God. In all kinds of ways. But the reality is all of us in here were young once. I was young, believe it or not, one time in my life. And I gave my life to the Lord. And I have never, the Bible says, seen a righteous 